Well, good job, guys. I just listened to The Grit, and once again, you've done some great work in that you've basically reversed all of your hate on Teslas with surf cars and made a great advertisement for why the Tesla, the car that I have, is the best surf car, which is it has a credit card that you use as the key. And with the credit card, you can take that into the water, totally fine, and it's not a fob. It also doesn't have a catalytic converter, so you don't have to worry about that. And last, you may not know, you didn't get into this, but it has a front trunk, which is pretty much sealed off from the rest of the car. So when I'm not swinging my wetsuit over the mirror, which I like to do, but if I'm going on the freeway and that's too dicey, I can put the wetsuit in the front trunk and just let it get wet and stink it up, and it doesn't even bother me. So keep up the work. Hopefully, more people like me who have Teslas feel better about it as your surf car. Thanks, guys. The most pretentious, humble brag perhaps we've ever played on this show. <laughs> sold, though, David Lee Scales. I'm officially sold on a Tesla. A uh, credit do you Do you actually want one? Um, no. Uh, the, I'll tell you what, and e-car drivers let me know how and where and when and how I'm wrong. Uh, but did you read the story of, um, I think it was president Joe Biden's energy secretary and her, uh, electric car trip? No, I didn't. She took a road trip in electric car. I I don't know which make or model, but, uh, to showcase electric cars and how, you know, great they are. This is great. Uh, and they would have to send a regular car out in front of her on the way to, to like down the, down the road where she was going to block off spaces at e-charge stations. And so then she could come in and e-charge, right? Because apparently there's not enough e-chargers in this world now for all the electric cars. And so they would use a gas powered car to go clear space and they got in big trouble. Somebody like really read them the riot act clearly who was had an electric car and wanted to sit and charge, but here's this gas powered car taking up a slot, man. So yeah, Amazing. that, that made me not want to get one. That is hilarious. Um, so it's all performative. It's like, let's put on this show, but we're going to double the emissions that we were going to do. 100%. We are yeah. going to double and or triple, but also, yeah, I do believe it, or it does feel like there is a lack of, uh, charging stations, right? Yeah. I don't want to be out and about and have to wait in line to charge my car. In theory, they'll get that all sorted out in the future. But, um, this listeners call, uh, I am sold. Like I'm not going to get a Tesla, but everybody I know that has one raves. Yeah. It is, it is an absolute club. And I joke by calling him pretentious. He didn't, he didn't, wasn't pretentious, but that club does think that they're the coolest club around they, for sure. The Tesla owners. They It's wild to me how many Teslas are on the road. Like it's crazy. It is dude. every, it feels like every other car is a Tesla where I'm thinking, wow. Like, I mean, not that Teslas are necessarily overly expensive, but it just seems, yeah, for a little car company to basically have 50% of the cars on the road seems like a big get. Well, maybe in Southern California, there's more than there is in the rest of the country or the rest of the world, certainly. But you're right. It's not an expensive car, but it's not a cheap car. No. Like, the, the, due to Tesla, there's now more 
cars at that price point on the road than there ever was before. So whatever is the equivalent price in our childhood, there wasn't 50% of them. No. The more expensive cars were like 10% maybe yeah. on the road. And now because of Tesla, everybody's buying an expensive car. Wild days we live in, David Lee Scales, here at the end of the world, late stage capitalism. Wild uh, location that we live in for late stage capitalism too, because yeah. we see the pointy end of the stick. Uh, I've got another call that I think we should play. Hey, this is uh, for the grit belly Slater calling from David's comfy cul-de-sac. Um, you had a listener line about spouses looking like their spouses. And there happens to be a entire Instagram account devoted to this called siblings or dating. It's pretty scary. Uh, but I think a lot of people end up with the, individuals that look somewhat like them. I guess they like looking in the mirror that often, um, and especially nowadays with everybody staring at their phone all the time. It's becoming more and more prevalent. Keep up the work. Siblings or dating Instagram account is my new favorite account. I went through the other day. It's The conceit is so simple and delivered so perfectly, where they give you, for those who would like to know, they give you a shot of a couple, and it just says siblings or dating. And then you swipe over and it's in bold red or green or whatever it is, either siblings or dating. So you guess, and then you, it's like a little mini game show that you play all by yourself. How often are you right, David Lee Scales? Never. Yeah. The, account, the account is so well done that every time it looks like they're siblings, because the hug, you know, it's like, it, it's a little bit like um, non-sexual, like a platonic hug. And you swipe over and they're dating. Yeah. Like, Dang it. Again. And then the next time they look exactly the same. And I'm like, I'm like, they have to be siblings. They're shared DNA. Clearly. Boom. Dating. Like crazy. wild. It's a crazy. Yeah. It's a wild game, but encourage everyone to go play. It's well, to our, surfing. but to our, um, better than candy crush yeah. surfing <laughs> version that the WSL is promoting, which we haven't even discussed. Um, the account, I, w I went through the account and probably looked at 15 of them. I think I got one or two right yeah. out of the 15. I mean, so. and it's just like, it's a real, if you get it right, I feel like you didn't even really get it right. No. Like you just, as chances are you're going to get one right every once in a while. It's 50, 50 odds. But to our listeners uh, inquiry last week in the Sunbump segment, it's, it's a true thing. Like people do morph into one another once they start dating. It's very bizarre. But I think we gave great advice. I felt really good all week about the advice we gave. Well, you should, but we might have given bad advice the week prior. And I have some uh, listeners had bones to pick with us, which uh -oh. I'm going to get to later in the show uh -oh, about okay. peeing while sitting down. Oh, oh, bones to pick. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for this battle. You're going to have to defend your stance. Defend. Uh, or you're sitting, I should say. <laughs> um, but also as it relates to Instagram accounts, isn't it funny that there is an Instagram account for everything? There is now, like, officially. Like, we were discussing this, which seems like an obscure concept. Nope, there's an Instagram account that is perfectly curated with over a million followers that's already been dissecting this. There is for every, I mean, I guarantee there's an Instagram account that I should find before I get desiccated later on about the joys of sitting while peeing, of, of men who sit while pee. Guaranteed there's Instagram accounts for that. Yep. Um, did you see Mark Zuckerberg's video, little commercial about um, his AI assistants? Oh, no. He posted two days ago, he's like, we're introducing, it was shot um, 
like a professionally shot commercial where there's a script and he's acting it out and there's, you know, cutaways. It's beautifully lit. It's like an actual commercial that would play on TV. But he's talking about he they're developing this new product, which is um, an AI assistance that you can ask to do anything, basically. It's like an extension of Surrey, but it exists uh, more robustly. And they got the likenesses of modern celebrities to play. Like the the assistant that's going to help you with your cooking and your groceries has a certain name. But the one who helps with the tech stuff has a different name. And they assigned celebrities to play the parts of those AI. So it's their likeness. Like it's an AI version of Tom Brady okay. that is playing one of the characters. Why did um, Tom Brady do that Kylie to I mean, they paid him, obviously, right? Yeah. Kylie, Kylie Jenner, Snoop Dogg. They're playing these AI virtual assistants. But, you know, you can ask it anything, and then Tom Brady answers the question. So there's no way that Tom Brady uh, sat in front of a camera and answered every question on the face of the earth, and they play the accurate sure. one. It is an AI, AI likeness of yeah. Tom Brady. But it looks exactly and sounds exactly like Tom. It's, I mean, yeah, this is the future we live in. Deep fake. It's we totally. don't need people anymore. Nope. We don't need we, but we do need Laird Hamilton. Do we? I think so. I think Laird Why? is the only person we need at the uh, end of the day. You mean Gerd? Yeah, Gerd. <laughs> we need him. <laughs> Lots of good good feedback about Gerd last week. Uh, one one other thing last week that we texted after the show. We didn't even discuss the 2024 CT schedule last didn't, week. Didn't even mention it. It's not like we mentioned it and we'll get back to it later and then ran out of time. We it did not mention. The most important surf news of the week, theoretically. If you care about the WSL, and that is kind of the point, is we didn't intentionally avoid it. It just ranked low on our news that we wanted to discuss that week. It's almost, who cares? Yeah. I mean, the real truth of the matter is, uh, as far as it relates to the World Surf League, it sure is going out of business, ain't it? Like them leasing and or selling their office, which that's news for people. If you don't know, the Santa Monica headquarters of the World Surf League is now on the market for sale or lease, which somebody got in that I posted on it uh, on Beach Creek yesterday, and somebody got into the comments was like, you don't know anything about commercial real estate. This doesn't mean da 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 like was defending. <laughs> this this doesn't have nothing to do with the financial health of the World Surf League. Uh, and I was thinking, how many times do companies do a big splashy building, which they did. Like they purposefully got it on that corner in Santa Monica. Like it wasn't an accident, right? This is their big coming out or the, we're an important sports league. How many companies get a big flashy office and then lease it or sell it amongst robust growth? We're going so good now that we don't need our office anymore. We are a real flagship. We're just getting rid of it. Unless they're going to a bigger, splashier building, yeah, exactly. which I'm not sure that they are. <laughs> but um, yeah. well, thank you for a listener to a listener for sending us that photo. Yeah, by the way, so wonderful, and it was wonderful. I made, made me think all day about I'm right. We're right. The end is really nigh. The sale yeah. to Bahrain, the new splashy office, is going to be in Qatar. Exactly. But uh, uh, back to the schedule. As long as the thing ends at Trestles, none of it matters. Like mm, legitimately, totally. none of it matters as long as it ends at Trestles. There's going to be, uh, barring injury, it'll be Philippe Toledo again, uh, and it will not be Chris Amore again. So you know, like it'll be, you know, the the girls tour, I guess, is more interesting, or the girls final five day is more interesting now. 
than the guys because there's no way you inform Gabe, inform whoever. Nobody beats Philippe Toledo. Like it's just it doesn't matter. It's not happening there. It's his yeah. home break. It is where he loves. It's a wave that's custom made for his soft little style. It's like perfect for Philippe. So whatever. Like it doesn't doesn't matter. The cloud break will be fun to watch. So now the whole tour exists as like one offs of what I want to watch. Right. There's no point in the rankings. There's no point in the victories. There's yeah. Purely, I'll you know want to watch Pipe, want to watch Fiji. That's more or less it. Totally, yeah, great point. Um, well, listeners probably already know the schedule, but just the the important things to point out about it is that Cloudbreak is back, which is good. J Bay is gone, which is bad. Surf Ranch is gone, which is good, and the finals day is still at lowers, which is bad. The uh, Surf Ranch them continuing to. Uh, one other thing I thought was interesting of note was it Surf Ranch is gone and not replaced. They dropped an event off tour full stop. So the yeah. tour is now, what, 11 instead of 12? Whatever it is, one less. Nine instead of 10. Nine instead of 10. Without, without finals day. Which the fact that they didn't kick in your free advertisement for Surf Ranch, like the cost of even the advertisement is not worth it for them, clearly, because they obviously have no problem in shoving that thing down people's throats. Like that thing has been well hated every, except for the first one. I think people thought, Oh, how's this going to play out? But everyone has been loathed by the audience and the surfers themselves. They don't care. But the fact that they're not rolling out that one again, suggests we're losing our headquarters. We are shortening our tour because we are healthy because this is, (laughs) <laughs> Good business. Well, the other uh, follow-up from last week or development that is related to a story from last week is, quote, blood feud Jack Freestone declares all respect lost after professional surfing's premium safe space stab does him dirty, exclamation point. Boom, Jack Freestone coming in swinging right after stab. Had Sam McIntosh, stab's co-founder, made such a big deal about fluffing surfers and or talent and or the world surf league which i guess they consider talent uh in order to get access but apparently not jack freestone we'll kick him under the bus yeah and that was one article that you wrote on beach grit and then there was another one about alana his wife chiming in on it as well um and ultimately what it seems happened was in the how surfers get paid episode that just dropped this week um they interviewed surf. It was all centered around the economics of um, professional CT surfers and their relationship with the shapers. So, how many surfboards do they get throughout the course of the year? Do they get paid by these board brands? Do they get incentives or royalties from sales of board models? All that sort of stuff. It kind of details all of it. But through the conversation, the interviewer asked the shapers who's the best to work with and who is the worst to work with. And Jack's Jack Freestone's name was brought up as being one of the most difficult surfers to work with. And a couple of the shapers, uh, begrudgingly kind of reveal that and share the information they were hesitant to. And then they cut to footage of Jack seemingly responding to that criticism. Well, what Alana kind of revealed in the comments after the fact, first of all, Jack said he was not happy with how he was portrayed in the series. But then what Alana revealed later was Jack was not asked that question on camera. 
it, they used um, responses from an interview with Jack Freestone to make it look as though he's responding to the criticisms from John Pizel and uh, DHD, I believe, as well. And so essentially manipulated the footage. And, and they were upset about it. I mean, clearly, I mean, as they should have been, right? Like, which I feel, and reading in the, in between the lines, or at least in the comments, and on the comments on the Instagram too, on Stab's Instagram, where Jack and Alana both made their beef known, uh, people were like, get over it, or whatever, you know, mostly was the uh, tone back to them, I feel like, the, you know, people weren't being rude, I suppose, but it was like, whatever, but... Yeah, like, for Stab, I mean, it's really a bad look on multiple levels. Not to kick this dead horse, but it's what I do. Uh, for to, to have no integrity and no journalistic integrity, right? To claim it, full stop, we have no journalistic integrity. Yeah. Uh, and then also do dirty things like that that are... Now, that's it's one thing just to, you know, be soft and not ask hard questions. It's another thing to manipulate and change uh things in any way right and so to do both to have no integrity to claim you have no in- or to claim you're not going to do anything hard hitting but then also manipulate yeah is is fairly not chill it's disingenuous yeah it it i think through all of these conversations the common denominator and the result is a lack of trust that the audience is developing for stab at this point i mean i I would imagine that that it is it has to be eroding i would think i would have to think people see this stuff and think okay we can't trust what you present to us anymore right which i mean stab better fall on this grenade pretty quick but it also shows that like access journalism sure if you're in the cool club that we consider you know worthwhile right like if you are a Jack Freestone and Alana, two who are not so much in the public eye anymore, let's say, right? Then we'll happily burn you. Right. Like exactly. if it's, so it's not like we are going to be safe and gentle for everyone. We're going to be safe and gentle for the people we deem cool and valuable. Otherwise we'll flamethrow you in, in a really egregious manner. Yeah, totally. I feel like for all the goodwill that they've built by allowing Jordy to share his stories or whatever, it's now Jordy, the Jordys of the world might be less willing to after seeing the alignment with the WSL and Sam's openness about, no, I'm just going to do their bidding for them. And then also throwing surfers under the bus who did agree to have an interview. I think it does compromise a lot of the goodwill that they built. I was, I was thinking something too, like in terms of the shapers, you know, and kudos to Stab, I guess, for elevating the shaper to on like par with the surfers themselves now, like Biolas, Pizel, Brit, all these guys are household names now, right? Amongst surf household names. Yes. Uh, But also it is a very select club of surfers who get, or shapers who are allowed in that room too, right? Like rarely does and of course they'll go out and do like whatever their electric acid tests or their you know and kind of lesser known come in but the big dogs that they've made big dogs are the ones they continually go back to that trough totally which i feel is i don't know like if you're if you built this platform to help showcase shapers then you should it feels like those waters are stagnating by them just continually doing the same shapers. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. They've 
you know, for the stab in the dark thing, they do try to cycle in new people, but it seems to be the same ones win or are selected by the surfer regularly. Yeah, which, I mean, could be that, you know, the top tier shapers are that much better at their craft than could be. Uh, anyone else. And or, you know, it's just it's a more rigorous or uh, what they have more stuff to make a perfect surfboard. Yeah. Well, as it relates to top-level surfers and uh, shapers and events, World Tour events, C.J. Hobgood called in with some insights um, from the Tahiti event. He was in Tahiti. I believe he was working with Carissa Moore. And in that event, just before I play the call, I'll give you a little um, context. In that event, Gabriel Medina beat John John Florence in quarterfinal four. And so these are C.J.'s uh, behind-the-scenes observations about those two surfers at that event. Hey guys, C to the J. As we enter the doldrums of new competition, I wanted you guys to weigh in, hit the gym, weigh in. Um, in Tahiti, I saw two instances observing, strictly observer here. John John loses to Gabriel. Uh, Miller, Pony Boy, Bad Boy. Hey, let's go over there. Tip us up to Eric and crew before they leave. Um, play a game of cards and I was expecting to see Johnny like oh my gosh I'm seeing Ryan. real quick he was saying Ryan Miller the photographer said let's go hang out with John John and his crew before they leave yeah. so now CJ's at okay just want to make sure that was clear he, CJ's now with Ryan Miller at John John's camp's house um, play a game of cards and I was expecting to see Johnny like oh my gosh I'm seeing red I can't believe I lost to Gabriel um and it felt like to me that it was like, all right, cool, job done, made the Olympics. The train's on the tracks. Everyone's happy. Um, I, I get to, you know, move forward. And then the other instance observing was um, Gabriel makes the final. Everyone's like, you, you did it. You qualified, top five, Olympics, whatever, um, which was not the case. Um just seething, it finds out, you know, he gets second, he doesn't, seething, just storms off the ski. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's not going to hold it together. Like, I would just be, I would have lost it, you know. And to his point, he, he held it together. Um, and super fans of both of these guys. But two instances, one guy's like, cool, whatever, made the Olympics. And the other guy, seeing red, um, didn't make the Olympics. So I'm just wondering... It is so hard to understand the numbers and everything. Listen to the pros, like, oh, I provisionally qualified, oh, this, that, this. It's like, get out of jail free. It's just, it's, that's it. Gobbling up a bunch of time here. Uh, hopefully, I add value because I enjoy what you guys do. Um, and if I don't, kick it to the curb, baby. Delete. Never see the light of day. All right, see ya. I love, I love CJ McConaughey. Um, so basically John John lost to Gabe and didn't seem to care and you know he was qualified for the Olympics so he can at least hang his hat on that and Gabe lost in a later heat and was livid but the detail here is that thought that he had qualified for the final five and the Olympics and so this highlights something that was in the back of my mind but I never really solidified it and it's just that I'm really not able to invest in any of these Olympic storylines yet because the math is so the qualification process and the math 
changes all the time. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Like, and I think Gabriel could theoretically still qualify for the Olympics uh, because I do believe, and I can't remember if it was for the last World Surfing Games or this upcoming one. I guess it has to be the last one. Oh, I don't Who knows? I mean, that's a little, to your exactly. point, who knows? But whether the winning country gets an extra slot. So if Brazil yes. wins, then I guess, or won. But who knows? The funny thing about, uh, I think, this is before, when I was a younger man watching my hero, Greg Luganis, diving in the Olympics <laughs> and all this, uh, the, the Olympics did seem like it seemed real and solid. Right, like there is a, a real way for Greg Luganis to get to the Olympics and do his thing, right? And it's you know there's de- maybe whatever, but it's real. Uh, and I think probably certain sports are more real than others. Watching the Olympic, uh, the surfing junk show, and the skateboarding junk show too through the wife's lens, like it is an like surfing makes skateboarding look like it's got it fully together though. Like really? or I mean. Skateboarding makes surfing looks like look like surfing's got it together. At least they oh. have the ISA and this kind of stuff, but it really is a complicated mess, made worse by who cares about the ISA. No offense, Fernando Aguirre, but uh, nobody gives two shits. No, nobody cares so much that did you see they had to pass a new rule? No. Uh, the world or the ISA had to pass a new rule that professionals that the CT surfers who come now actually have to try. They have to give a good faith effort to compete because they they had to go to qualify for the Olympics, right? But they they didn't have to try, so they would go and they would that's my member in Salvador, they would they all showed up and then dropped out. Uh, so they would have to go and you surf one heat or your opening heat and then you're gone. Uh, now new rule in order to qualify, you have to give an effort in the ISA How do they stuff. even quanti- qualify that? Who knows? A, B, the fact that you, if you're forcing by rule to make people try, then I think maybe you should go back and think, well, maybe our sport or game isn't that isn't that good. If it's or a qualification process, yeah. Or I mean, yeah. Fernando should really go look at the ISA that, though and think this thing is unwieldy and suck to the max. Have you ever watched ISA shit? I've tried and I tune out within five minutes. It is. I can't even imagine the most diehard surf fan. From the repercharge to the right. all, like it goes on and on and on. And I suppose the fan of it or Fernando or whatever would argue, look at this is how people from other countries and other surfers get an opportunity, you know, to, to do this thing and all this. When I'm thinking, if it is this horrible to watch, then maybe these opportunities shouldn't exist for anyone. Maybe surfing Don't. should not be <laughs> professional because this is idiotic. It is I like watching sports, right? Yeah. I'm a sports-watching kind of person. Sports appeal to me. I enjoy various games. Uh, you'd think I would like watching surfing. I hate watching surfing. <laughs> like, ISA? I mean, that kind of surfing. Like, give me... Obviously, we've beat this horse to death, too. But give me pumping Chopu, and I'll watch yeah. all day. But the... Like, heats of, like, eight men or whatever in slop like doing crappy turns to the beach it is unwatchable and then they lose and they get to surf four more heats after they lose yeah it is unwatchable um if the pros and former champs like gabriel medina and his camp don't understand the numbers 
it's not just you and I. It's Gabriel no. Medina thought that he was qualified. You know what I mean? So it's a huge problem. Um, but the other thing that CJ was talking about was John John's aloof attitude. Like takes the loss against his rival, arguably. Doesn't even really seem to care. Took at a, it really at a wave well. that he likes. Yeah. It's not, it's not like he lost in, you know, Salvador or in Brazil or whatever. Exactly. And then Gabriel, on the other hand is livid after losing. I think that that um, reflects both of their personalities. Uh, I think we would kind of almost expect them to behave that way. But I'm afraid that for John John, it doesn't bode well for his future win, like his future um, title hopes and contest wins, because that lackadaisical attitude really undermines his own surfing almost in the way that Joel Parkinson had like this buttery style. He would do the most insane turns and get underscored because it looks too easy. I feel like that's something that John John's going to have to contend to unless it's a, unless the events run in pumping surf. You know? I mean, I think, I think John John is got one foot and four toes off tour already. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't think he like the fact that the it's at lowers for the next three years. I think right. I think they signed a three year deal. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's lowers for the next three years. Uh, I think he's done. I think he's like, hey, I'm not going to win a title. I'll take my wild card, or I'll you know I'll go surf pipe. I'll, they'll give me a wild card for cloud break. Uh, I mean, he'll surf cloud break this year. But whatever good waves are on tour next year, if there is a tour next year. Uh, right. Then I think he'll. I think he's out. I think he's done. I think he's interesting. Over it. Yeah. Very interesting. I mean, yeah. I think Chris is done too. To be quite honest. I yeah, think. I could see her being completely demoralized by yeah the, the format. Knowing you're not going to win at the end. Uh, if I was Carissa, what I would do is go give her hell all season long. Like stack the like be so ahead, and then just not even show up to trestles. Just be, be like, a, I am champion. I am 2024 champion. That'd be a boss move. Yeah. If she showed up at lowers more than 10,000 points ahead of second place and then didn't paddle out, yeah. that'd be epic. Yep. Just said, nope. This in thing, protest. Yeah. In protest. This thing is, you know, it's a great, which again, I don't understand for the life of me. It is so confusing. The people who say, but the format is great. I love the format too. The format is great. You just don't use it to crown the champion. Like, yeah. I don't understand how people think that it's one or the other. Like, it's a good format. So those right. are going to crown champions. It makes no sense to me. Okay. Well, we've got a listener line uh, email, actually, um, from James in San Diego. He's actually, I believe, called into the listener line, but he emailed this one in. And he said, Viva la Revolution. Uh General Smith and Admiral Scales, if there was ever a time for the core of surfing to revolt against the inept leadership that dictates the competitive and creative content shared but with the surfing world, now is the time. I can smell the pungent smoke of gunpowder from Beach Grit's hit pieces, propaganda flyers falling from the sky of another half-baked house surfers get paid episode dropped from the WSL's Department of Truth attempting to quell the uprising and the piercing cries of the inertia faithful crying about the woes of localism as they pearl on another set wave. Surfing's corporate leadership is weak, but the core remains strong. 
What is at the root of all of this angst against the core? Where did surfing go wrong? Well, I have climbed the mountain and heard from the oracle's mouth herself that the key to restoring the soul of surfing is less money. You heard me right. Less money, you greedy bastards trying to get paid for your hobby. I know that the dream tour is a literal pipe dream. However, after some Googling and a degree in economics, I think I have the seeds of a solution that not only gives us what we want, but, but also helps those BK'd corporate surf brands resolve their bottom line. This recommendation, uh, mention, or the recommendation mentioned by you both, and that is shared with the core of the grit community, is putting the best surfers in the best waves and cutting the circus to a nimble enough uh, number to mobilize when a swell event occurs. Yes, we can cut expenses by putting judges online, less corona beer tents, no scaffoldings, etc. However, I believe the core expense is the number of professional uh, pro surfers on tour. Sure, this can be achieved immediately by slashing the hopes and dreams of Kaloe and Zeke and other underachievers. However, this is a systemic issue that needs to be addressed at the root. This is going to make uh, Firewire dads spit out their coffee as they yell at their young Johnny Tsunami to stop bogging rail. But the root of the issue is that we have too many pro surfers in general, not just too many pro surfers on tour, but too many pro surfers. This means that the sponsors, Billabong, Quicksilver, Rip Curl, need to stop giving out contracts to any child who can throw an air reverse with, uh, with a parent with friends in the industry. I'm not sure what that means. Based on the research I found, there are 720,000 amateur and professional surfers in the world. Is that 720? I don't know. That's based on his research. 720,000. He said, let's say there's even half of that uh, 360, 100,000. Um, that is a lot of financial burden on these struggling companies trying to find their next John John Florence. We always compare professional surfers to tennis as a comparable sport. However, you know how many tennis players there are in the world? 3,500. You heard me right, one-tenth of what surfing is. Sure, tennis companies pay their athletes to compete, but nobody watches tennis players practice their serves over deep-cut indie music. But the point remains that these contracts are being dished out to children who are told that world title dreams before they ever reach, uh, told of world title dreams before they ever reach adulthood. So what's the solution? Let's let kids be kids. Let the kids go surf, go to school, do high school surf team, maybe even college if they're good enough, take them on surf trips, whatever. But you don't need to sign them uh, to contracts with deals contingent on them making the world title. And we def definitely don't need to be flying children across the globe to a random QS event in hopes that they have a competitive drive to make it to the big stage. The big stage should be tiny because our sport is tiny. Downsizing from the bottom up can position the sport to be more entertaining and showcase the actual best surfers in the world. More entertaining means more eyeballs, more money, etc. Anyways, that's my brief analysis on how we can manifest what we all want to see on the world tour. Down with the WSL. Don't trust the WSL's Department of Propaganda at STAB. And sorry, Johnny Tsunami, but go to class and keep working on those cutbacks at your local beach break. Viva la revolution. Keep up the work, James in San Diego. Love it, James. Thank you so much. I never even considered that to be the problem, but he is exactly right. That is the problem. Yeah. Professional well, I think his numbers... Are the problem. 
I think his numbers have to be off. Like, there's no way that there's... 720,000, yeah. I mean... 720,000 professional I, surfers? I, I trust an economics degree. He must have... <laughs> where, where would you even find that information? Uh, in how many people, like, sign up for ISA stuff or something? Like, how Maybe, many people yeah. actually compete? Like, a combination of... I mean, they don't all have sponsorships, though. You no, know, no. Like... And I think he's, he's... The suggestion wouldn't be that each one of those is getting paid to surf. But each one of those is would consider themselves to be a professional surfer, I would imagine. Let's just let's well, say. Even, but there's not seven hundred twenty thousand people signing up for not even close. You know, I mean, how many? I, where did that gonna, number come from? He, he I, had to pull it from somewhere. I have no idea. But let's say you go to every every um, company who sponsors surfers. Go to their website and look at the roster. There's. 15 surfers, let's say, on that roster. Multiply that by the number of companies, then add the ISA numbers and every NSSA comp, let's say, add the, all of that stuff, we're at 15,000. Okay, if it's 15,000, though, let's say it is 15,000. Which is, tennis is 3,500. So this is 15,000 is five still times, yeah. five times larger than tennis, uh, which is, I mean, however many it is, it's too many until it gets down to like 2,500 to like maximum. Well, what, what am I saying? It, it should be down to like 50. Agreed. His point is still salient regardless of the numbers because I go to, you know, in Southern California, any local beach, and there's a bunch of kids with stickers on their boards. Yeah. And, and a bunch of kids like with the dream of surfing for their living, right? Yes. Where absolutely. Uh, as a professional surfer, I'm going to be a professional surfer, whether it's competitive or whether it's youtube or whether it's instagram whatever i'm going i want to be a professional surfer being a professional surfer surfing as a profession i think to james's real point is where it all goes wrong you don't surfing is not a profession surfing is a pastime like totally anybody who plays if you, football is a profession there's a whole profession it's real <laughs> tennis is a profession there are professions that are sports Surfing is not one of them. There's a few people who make a, make a living off of surfing. Um, it's, I think that, well, I think that um, it's actually detrimental to their chances of becoming a professional surfer if they start doing it, quote, professionally at the age of 12. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's almost erodes the, first of all, the love of the thing it creating all the expectations creates a certain amount of pressure to the thing that probably doesn't let you explore your surfing to the fullest. And then taking out your school obligations or the other hard work that you have to go through as a normal adolescent that makes develops your grit for the rest of your life, taking all that stuff away then probably hamstrings you once you're actually on the tour. The, I mean, the real truth of the whole thing, though, is it's boring at the end of the day. It is boring, boring, boring. Those QSs, those any ISA, anything feeder, anything that is basically not pipeline, Chopu, Cloudbreak, J-Bay, you know, there's what? Whatever those events are. Everything else is boring. Yeah. Everything else is boring. And so why do you want to do a boring sport? Yeah, well, the most boring version of the sport. You yeah, know? The, the, when I when I look at like I was thinking about Erin Brooks last year, the young phenom coming up on the female side, she wasn't doing events that I expected her to do, 
you know, like she's a top level prodigy right now and she just was opting to not compete. But then the massive swell showed up in Can Dewey and Kelly Slater showed up. And then I saw that Aaron Brooks was there. I was like, good for you, Aaron. The reason I'm not seeing you do the Supergirl Pro at Oceanside is because you're out in, you're at Can Dewey. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the same thing with Jack Robinson when he was young. It was like Jack would end up in Tahiti on some insane swell. Then obviously at North Point, whenever it was good and not groveling at the U.S. Open in Huntington Beach. Yeah. And so fantastic for him. What you want to do as a surfer is surf good waves. You don't want to put on the jersey in general and go grovel. And and so for those, for the Aaron Brookses and Jack young Jack Robinsons of the world, I'll say, great, you're a professional surfer, right? If you are, If you are ripping enough at an early age where somebody wants to pay you to go rip, uh, and, you know, because, of course, it would be impossible for the Aaron Brookses or Jack Robinsons to fly to Chopu and stuff without the help of a sponsor, right? Right. But the sponsor should identify only A-plus talent. You shouldn't, if you're having to grovel at a Huntington Beach to get attention, then I'm sorry, you're unfortunately not good enough. Yeah. Well, I think that it's also um, not a great use of the brand's resources, You know, like I think that experiment of trying to sponsor every kid in every local beach community in hopes that people will buy your product is probably a failed uh, marketing attempt anyways. And we learned that through the last cycle. I'm all down with like the local pro bro, like uh, the what Aaron Cormiken of new Smyrna Beach style, right? Where he's the he's doing like cool little airs out there and yeah, give him a lost board and but you don't necessarily have to pay them just give them a board well maybe that's honestly what the marketing what the brand's concept was is it's actually way cheaper to give free product to the local shredder than it is to pay for marketing for i mean wait and then every kid around that i mean i think that was the was the uh the business model for a long time like newport i remember you know had josh hoyer or whatever right yeah. like these guys who would get paid a little bit of money or maybe in some cases a decent amount, but I guarantee there was a one-to-one of them selling product by kid, local kid, Newport kid wanted to be Josh Hoyer. Getting a placement at least in the local retailer who carries those products because the local shredder is repping him. Yeah. So I understand that connection, but I think to James's point is, um, there's too many, there's way too many and it doesn't, do that surfer any good to give them false hopes thinking that they're going to convert that $700 a month paycheck from their local brand to an actual living down the road. No. Yeah. I mean, especially not in, if you're a competitive surfer, if your hopes and dreams are tied up with the world surf league at the end as like the best thing you could do, then I would probably, it is an unsustainable, the world surf league is unsustainable at any speed. Totally. Yeah. You, they are, that would be you and I banking on social security to carry us through our retirement. Yeah. The thing really is going to be bankrupt by the time we get there. Aiming for it, knowing yeah. this is the, this is the dream. Well, click true grit or clickbait stuff. Quote, John, John Florence, world surf league, uh, John, John Florence, comma, world surf league rue. What might have been as, the NFL's Travis Kelsey sees jersey sales spike by 400% amidst, room, amidst rumors of Taylor Swift romance! Exclamation point. Boom! It's 
not clickbait, David Lee. Shockingly, it's not. You remember the day when Taylor Swift and John John Florence rumors were circulating? Yeah, I do. And I remember them being rumors, specifically. They were rumors, but you never know, right? And I'm sure back then Taylor Swift wasn't the... She was a megastar, but not the most famous person to ever live like she is today back then, right? No, Where she, she was, Yeah, she was one of... Uh, dozens of megastars back then but now yeah. she's the megastar she is the megastar anyway though she would have read those rumors about her and john john back in the day it would have been very easy for john john to slide up in those dms with a little giggle like can you believe this huh this is funny you know but i'd really like to buy you a drink someday he could have been gentlemanly he's the best surfer in the world she would have looked at his squishy little face and thought it's not attractive but then she would have seen him getting shacked at pipe and think ooh. She likes a sporting man. So, yeah, I think John John could have pursued that. He could have made that happen. Once it once the rumor bubbled up, John John could have it was right in his lap to manifest that thing. Uh, like it's not coming out of nowhere. So, was it just a rumor then or do you think that they actually hooked up? I don't think they hooked up. I think it was probably a rumor, but there would have been enough because it was, it was like a real rumor. I mean, it was like getting printed in Us Weekly and stuff, right? Well, yeah. But I think it was all spawned from John John's camp, like Peter King at Hurley at the time. Like, hey, in your post-heat interview, we're going to have somebody ask you that question about Great. your connection with, and then you just play it off like you don't want to talk about your personal life. And then, uh, it, so that happened on air, and then news media ran with it. Great marketing then. Yeah. So. I don't care how the rumor started, but once the rumor did start, yes, gotcha. this thing is now in the universe, right? This thing is, and Taylor Swift, again, would have certainly seen it, and it would have been a very easy next step for John John to reach out to Taylor Swift and say, can you believe this? But Taylor, I really do. I'm a fan of your music and would love, right. to, would love to take you out to lunch. Well, so in Sam McIntosh's piece that we described, where we discussed last week, uh, when he was giving examples of access journalism and ways that they've avoided it in the past or whatever. He gave an example of being in Malibu at the fancy restaurant and they were working on a project with a top level surfer. Steph Gilmore. Oh, okay. I was just going to ask you, (laughs) was that the answer? I mean, for sure. Okay. Well, let me set it up for listeners. fully outed her unnecessarily. So a top level surfer was dating an actual real world celebrity and so the project that they were working on with that surfer had to get delayed a little bit because of that, or they didn't share, they didn't participate in the STAB project because they didn't want to draw attention to the I think they delayed, had to delay the project, and STAB being so morally upright and wonderful didn't publish the, didn't publish that this was a, didn't uh, publicize the relationship, even though they would have gotten massive clicks for it. That's what it was. So yeah. who was the surfer and who was the celebrity? It was Steph Gilmore, for sure, the girl. And I don't know, the celebrity male. Spike Jones? Uh, no, because that wouldn't have been, I mean, the way they were claiming it, uh, there was going to be mega major, Spike Jones wouldn't be enough to get mega major. And mm. I'm assuming also that there must have been, not that, yeah, maybe the person was married or something, because I don't know why it would be such huge news if it's Steph Gilmore dating a celebrity. Um, why do you, or how do you know that it's Steph Gilmore, or why do you think it's Steph Gilmore? I mean, Steph Gilmore is Malibu, and 
it just and stuff Gilmore did what's it called okay electric acid test yeah like i think i mean the pieces were so easy to put together where i was like why are you doing this now sam like you <laughs> if you buried this thing and were so proud of yourself for not having this ever see the light of day i mean the it seemed like if i was steph i would be like well now why did you do this now people are going to be digging right right um how annoying is the taylor swift travis kelsey thing so annoying. It is <laughs> it's it is so annoying. I like, cannot believe the, the pandemonium. The I really I'm not a Swifty, but really appreciated Taylor Swift for what she did, right? Like is to watch her kind of meteoric rise and all that. I was like, wow. Now she annoys me so much, not her, but I just can't take one more piece of Taylor Swift coverage. I opened my phone this last week or certainly on Instagram, I see her and him six or 10 times throughout my scroll, my yeah. five minute scroll. It is, it is dominated by them. And it's not just like gossip accounts. It's like all these people are everything. Chime, everybody's posting about it. I, and I have no idea why. I, I mean, it's, she <laughs> like, she went to a, they're dating. She went to a football game. She moves the needle. It's not that big of news. She moves the needle so much. That's how much she moves the needle is like, which is weird to see. Like, I wonder what that is, right? Like, what is the secret sauce in somebody that makes them all of a sudden? Like now it's like Beyonce who and, you know, whatever. There's like no star on earth now. Like Taylor Swift's star is so bright. It's like trying to see these stars when the sun is out. Like, yeah, everybody else is just blotted out. There is only one a, celebrity anymore. It's Taylor that's Swift. That's a good analogy. Uh, and I don't understand it at all. I mean, ask, she's ask all Lauren. right. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Lauren's caught up in it too. And even that night that that ball game was happening, um, she and her sisters, we were all at dinner actually. And her sisters like open their phone and they're like, oh my God, Taylor Swift's at the football game. Here's footage of her. And, the, and they were all like freaking out in real time. And on the drive home, I was like, I'm grossed out by this. Like if you actually are, you know, a fan of Taylor, give the girl some space. Let yeah. her go to a football game and support her boyfriend. Like fueling this fire of where she can't even leave the building unless she's hidden in some contraption is. I mean, this uh, is. This unfair is, to her that's why it was all crazy news because they're not officially dating but i think this is like the couple this is like america's wet dream right where you have ultimate prom queen and stud football best football player on the team this is like america's high school like You're can't right. believe it and so it but this is the i don't know what, yeah the relationship is entirely unsustainable no relationship can have this much weight on it and be good. Like, so I have no doubt that they will hook up or get together or date for a while. And then this thing is going to get crushed under the weight of people caring. Yeah, totally. Like no relationship can have that much care. I like, they showed an aerial shot of his mansion. And uh, yeah, it was like Taylor Swift uh, goes, is seen exiting Kelsey's $1 million mansion with this aerial shot. And I was like, a million bucks doesn't even buy you a fixer upper in Southern California. He's living in a mansion in for Kansas City. Bucks. Yeah. Should we move to Kansas City, David Lee Scales? I think we should actually. <laughs> yeah. Build a wave pool. We will come. Um, well, 
that's all I've got to say about Taylor Swift. <laughs> Good. I'm glad we covered it, though. Yeah. Uh, it's been gnawing at me. All right. Well, let's go to commercial break, and then we'll come back with uh, everybody's feedback about you wanting to sit down while peeing and then barrel or not. Great. Hey, Chaz, commercial break to talk about VayerWatches.com. Love it. Yeah, love it. Uh, Vayer is V-A-E-R, watches.com. Um, unbelievably priced. Like, honestly, super uh, quality materials assembled in America. Great quality watches that are now available for a fraction of what quality watches used to cost you 10 years ago. Be a man or a woman. Put one on your wrist, man. Like, I see, uh, I was riding the train yesterday, riding the Amtrak, and... Uh, annoying dude in front of me you know when you're sitting in a seat and somebody insists on folding their hands behind their head but like basically reaching over into your seat so annoying he'd already slammed a seat back it was all annoying real mess but anyway he had a dumb apple watch on and he uh, he kept changing his face like he had a mickey mouse and then he changed it to something else and something else i was thinking you're a grown man with like a little gizmo on your wrist grow up get a vayer watch and when his hands are in that position, you can read his text messages as they come through. It's a real oh, I privacy did. concern. I did. But Vare, my Vare doesn't get any text messages, nor should well, it. I, I was in the water yesterday, and somebody said, does anybody have a watch? Boom, here I am. And I'm going to add 10 minutes to the time. Dude, you should add out of 30. <laughs> uh, anyways, Assembled in America, free returns. Go to their website. There's 5,000 five-star reviews with people who are actual watch nerds who have way more better way more kind of uh insightful reviews than what i'm giving you right now but um the proof is in the pudding we love it veyerwatches.com when you're hiring for a small business you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role and there's no faster or effective way than through linkedin jobs your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Chaz, back from break. We were talking about sitting down while peeing last week. It's the gentlemanly thing to do. 
well, I got three or four emails here that I'm going to read to you. One says, from Rainbow in New Zealand, says, there's a German word for this exact thing. Sitzpinkler. <laughs> Sitzpinkler is a man who sits on the toilet. I think the usage is derogatory, but they care enough to label it as so it must be a common occurrence. Rainbow in New Zealand. I googled Sitzpinkler, and here's what the internet told me. Quote, not only do Germans have a word for it, but they are remarkably more proficient at it than other countries, other nationalities. Of all the countries surveyed, Germany was the number one country where people sat down, quote, every time to urinate. So 40% of the people in Germany, men's, sit down every single time <laughs> to urinate. Sit sprinklers. So... This other emailer says, uh, let me see if I can find his name. It's not Mike. derogatory. I'm, I'm proudly German. Okay. Well, um, Mike in Encinitas says, hey, David and Chaz, a while back I wrote to tell you that I sold my Sprinter and bought a Tacoma. Like all of your advice so far, it worked. I was surfing better. However, a couple of weeks ago, you did a barrel or non, which Chaz recommended peeing sitting down. As I usually do, I took your advice and I have been sitting to pee ever since. I have to tell you, the results have not been good. <laughs> First of all, my surfing has taken a dive. My turns are now horizontal at best, less like Felipe at Trestles and more like that DJ Lunakai that Devin Howard sprayed in the face at Malibu. <laughs> Second, I noticed that my wife started to insist that she drive everywhere. I haven't been allowed behind the wheel with my family in the car in over a week. Finally, I looked at pictures of my wife and uh -oh. <laughs> and I um, and to see if we started looking like one another after a couple of decades together. I was shocked to find that my wife looks nothing like me. And instead, she started to look a lot like my neighbor, Greg. <laughs> so, Chaz, I implore you to start standing while you pee before it's too late. I fear that some of my effects of consistently sitting to pee may be irreversible. Might I recommend to you that you dedicate some time to re-embracing the power of standing tall while relieving yourself. Perhaps you can start after your next ballet performance. Join me, Mike, with the sits picklers. Uh, thank you. That was an epic read, yeah, Mike. Mike. This one comes from Toby Hawk. It says, you have used the word regal on multiple occasions to describe the act of standing on a board and riding a wave. So why are you not willing to extend the same status to men peeing while on their feet? If you have ever tailgated, gone camping, attended a stadium-sized sporting event, used a portage on, or simply enjoyed the convenience of whizzing behind the garage while, when occupied with yard work, then you surely have enjoyed the benefits of bipedal urination. All those poor women waiting for a stall, forced to place their bare butt cheeks on an infected plastic seat while the men stroll unfettered into a room with a row of urinals, or even better, troughs. Uh, in fact, one can execute a standing pee with only a tug on one zipper, quick and clean, objectively, unless, uh, unless there's a medical condition required to sit, it is at best inefficient and at worst a pussy move keep up the work toby hawk small craft advisory surfboards i love it all but and i'm i never sit outside the home my only advice is you sit in the home 
I'm not a Sitzpinkler outside in the bright <laughs> in the big world. I love standing and peeing, just like the next guy, just at home. All right. Yeah. So you're sticking to it? Sticking to it. Sitzpinkler. I want to make a t-shirt. <laughs> Those probably exist. It's probably an Instagram <laughs> account, as we previously addressed. Well, that brings us to Barrel or Not. I'm going to pull from Toby Hawk's uh, last line of his email for our first barrel or knob but i have to mention that we are supported by buell wetsuits buellsurf.com wraps barrel or knob in warm buttery neoprene it's getting cold out there there you go you need a three two right now you'll need a four three down the road buell surf is where you can get it so barrel or knob using the term pussy as a pejorative you know, it's fallen out of fashion, so I'm going to say barrel, David Lee mm. Scales. I'm saying barrel. Stop You're bringing it pussy. back like butthole? Yeah, kind of, like butthole. Stop being a pussy. Yeah, it, doesn't, it can refer to, I think, just as much, a little a pussycat. Stop being a pussycat. Well, yeah, I guess it could. I didn't even think about that angle, but it certainly doesn't. Um, <laughs> even, even reading it in Toby Hawk's email i was like i don't want to say the word yeah. the word feels gross to me now it feels gross look the female vagina is not gross yeah but saying the word as a pejorative feels gross to me now i it's, trust me i'm sure i said it a million times when i was a kid either either i grew up or society changed or something but it does feel gross now to say as a pejorative i mean i hear you but the but the gross that's pejoratives should feel gross that's what makes them pejorative right you should really that's when stuff gets overused is when it stops feeling gross like people swearing up one side and down the other now because none of it matters or feels gross so your pejorative should feel icky to say then you reserve it for times when you run into a sits pickler in the wild yeah well i think it got overused already and it still went out of fashion, so... Do, do you like dick? <laughs> Man, somebody's going to edit this to make it sound a certain way. Uh, do I like dick? Uh, say more. Like, Ask, you, ask it different. Like, when somebody cuts you off, do you say, dick? Hey, dick. That guy's being a dick. Oh, in Sam McIntosh fashion last week. Oh, did he use dick? dick oh yeah, dick the dickhead. Head yeah, um, yeah. I do use the word dick still. Yes, that guy's yeah. a dick. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, part of it is just pussy sounds. It has like the the diminutive kind of the s to the y. Right. Uh, it feels weird. Yeah, it does. But I'm, uh, I'm gonna say barrel. Have you Bring seen those meat? Okay, I'm saying no. I'm I'm just personally not comfortable using it. I'm saying no barrel on using pussy as a pejorative. Okay. Uh, do you remember seeing there was memes a long time ago about Betty White's quote about using it? What did she say? I just looked it up while we were talking. She said, why do people say grow some balls? Balls are weak and sensitive. If you really want to get tough, grow a vagina. Those things take a pounding. Good job, Betty White. Yeah. (laughs) Grow some vagina. Do you think she actually said it or did the internet just say it? I'm going to say the internet said it on that one. Really? Uh, maybe I don't know. Betty seems, seemed like a, I mean, Betty. Like Betty spicy. was crass. Yeah, crass, but that's extra crass. Yeah, yeah. I hope she said it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, barrel or nah, utilizing the valet parking. Uh, yeah. 
I've talked about my being a valet, playing bumper cars on the PCH, etc., etc., as a valet. So I am always very, very, if I cannot valet, I will not valet. Except here's the thing. Growing older, growing up, use the valet. Don't like seek out the valet, but don't avoid the valet at all costs, right? Like Mm. if you can easily park by yourself, typically I will prefer that option. Like the luxury of having your car brought around is not... You know, typically, oftentimes, you'll have to wait and da-da-da-da. But the people, adults particularly, who go out of their way to avoid valet parking, there's something wrong with them. Like, just suck up and do it. It's what society demands from time to time. And when you need to valet, valet. Don't don't, make a big deal about it. I'm um, not quite avoiding it at all costs, but I'm pretty close to that boundary line. See, I think it's time for you now to dial it down like if it's just if it's inevitable it's inevitable here's what i don't like about valet uh certainly the expense you know like there's always that to consider so that's not that's not cool but it takes longer and it's less convenient than me parking my own car so i'm now paying you just so I, it's a status thing. It's so you show up at the restaurant and somebody else does something for you. Although they're doing it to a lesser degree than I can do it for myself. And I have to pay them just of to course. do it. And I hear you. duped you. me into this status thing. And I totally hear you. But there's many restaurants now, say in Beverly Hills or Los Angeles, all over. There's a ton of restaurants where you can't. I mean, you'd have it's to go only. so far out of your way to self-park. And yeah. in those places, sure, it's an, valet is kind of annoying. It just yeah. is what it is. But, like, suck up and valet. Yeah. Man, I'm I'm going no valet. I'm going two for two. You go barrel. I go nah. I'm going barrel. I'm anti. And I'm certainly anti it being the only option. Restaurants yeah. out there. You need to have public parking as an option, please. All right. So final, ba- <laughs> final barrel or nah. Uh, riding on the back of the shopping cart. If you return it. hundred percent barrel. Or I guess it doesn't have to be if you return it. It could be riding. Take it to the end of the parking lot. Yeah. Or just riding it to your car with your groceries still in it. Riding on the back of the shopping cart. 100% barrel. I think there are, talking about growing up and valeting, there are very few uh, things you can stay young forever doing. Riding on the back of the grocery cart is one of them. Like, if I saw... A person of any age doing it, I'd say that guy or woman is having some fun. It would make, it would put a smile on my face. But I love it. I love to do it. I do too. I still do it for sure. Yeah. I don't do it every time, but I certainly still do it. I can envision myself doing it. But you're right. If you saw just randomly at the grocery store somebody in their 60s doing it, you would get such a chuckle. It'd be like there. It, it, talk about very few things in this life have no downside. Riding on the back right. of your grocery cart is 100% upside. It's fun. Yeah, it's it's fun. It is functional. I like you don't you're getting a little break from walking. Yeah. Uh it, like every part of it is good. It doesn't damage the cart. It's there's yeah. like it's victimless. It's there's perfect. There's no downside. Yeah, no it's, downside. It's very interesting, right? Like that yeah. little thrill of 
I mean, it's related to surfing actually like yeah. that little thrill of going fast and having the breeze in your, it's still thrilling no matter what age you are and how many times you've done it. The little bit of out of controlness too, like the weird spinny wheels of the, yeah. you don't quite, you know, you're not like on a bead there, like something could kind of go wrong. So there's a, a tiny bit of danger, the yep. tiniest bit of danger yeah. that makes it, I mean, it's perfect. It is the perfect thing. Yeah, I agree. This is pretty barrel, riding the back of the shopping cart. It might barrel. be the biggest barrel we've ever had, to be honest. Could be the biggest ever. Biggest Very ever good. barrel. Very good. Well, we got yep. to the bottom of that. We did. Um, Buell Surf, thank you very much. Veyer Watches, thank you very much. DrinkAG1.com slash surf, thank you very much. As always, we thank love you. you. Love you so much. Yeah. Okay. Anything else going on for you this week or next? I gotta run down to the ballet and grab the child out of her morning ballet to take her then to her mid-morning ballet to then take her to her evening ballet. Professional ballet. There's a profession right there. Ain't surfing. There's a profession. Ballet. Cool. We'll get to it. We'll be following everything on beachgrit.com and then you and I will be back here next week. And the uh, economist send in where you got that 720 he emailed right so we can email him he emailed james okay. in san diego yeah send me james from san diego's email i'm gonna okay. get on we'll, this we'll do all right okay. until next week bon voyage